Welcome, my pretties. Please do come inside, grab a beer, and have a seat, because things are about to get spooky. Hello and welcome back to The Spook Inn. I am your host, Saf, and this is the show where I drink beer and talk about horror movies. Today on the show, I'm drinking Rainbow Pop from Guardian Brewing and Spookin' with Candyman. Alright, I've got Guardian Rainbow Pop here in front of me. It is a 5% ABV, 28 IBU, that is 28 days later on our Geek Horror IBU scale. And it says, Fruit and candy sweetness dominate the aroma on the this pale ale. A clear and light mouthfeel carries through to a dry finish for a pale ale experience like none other. In the words of Dio, it's like a rainbow in the dark. We haven't had a ton of Guardian Brewing on the show. They're from Muncie, Indiana, so it's not too close by. But uh, I thought this was rather fitting. It's got like a popsicle on the can and adjacent to candy. It's like sweet and there's a lot of sweet uh, discussion in the movies. I really should have had Candy Crushable from 18th Street, but we have had that on the show way back in episode 39. So it would have been doubling up on that one. So I think this one will do just fine. As I said, it does have a popsicle, a rainbow pop on the label. It's kind of starting to melt a little bit. It's got rainbow pop, New England pale ale written in kind of like a pastel font that looks like it's stamped on like wet paint and a just a plain white background. Very simple, but uh, an eye-catching can nonetheless. If you want to take a look at the beer colors, it's a dark orange again. Uh, very clear, but... It has like some floaties in it, like it, it's in New England, but it's been sitting for a while. It is a, like a another one of those pumpkin-looking orange, like the outside of a pumpkin. For this one, I'm going to go with Aquaman scales from our original IB, our Geek SRM, because we don't have a horror-themed one. And now I'm going to take a smell. Ooh, that smells like candy for sure. I'm definitely getting popsicle, like melted popsicle in a glass. Very sweet, tropical, almost like a tropical gummy. And now it's time to taste it. Yeah, that candy flavor comes through nicely. Well, yeah, it, it really does taste like a rainbow pop. It's kind of crazy. It, it does have the pale ale kind of bitterness and uh, back end flavor. But the upfront flavor is very sweet, very candy, very delicious. And the 28 IBUs are not bad at all. If we look at Untapped, there are 1,458 ratings, not too bad, and it's a 3.74 average. Friends-wise, I've got the Duke drinking gig out. Um, he gave it a 4, but unfortunately no comment from him. Patrick Doherty said, little lighter, malty but nice flavor. They're moving in the right direction. Gave it a 3.25, and that was in 2019. And finally, Mick Beer, he says, tastes more like a standard IPA and gave it a three out of five. Uh, I And that was also in 2019. I disagree. I'm definitely getting some fruit deliciousness, popsicle style, but this is three years later. So that's probably why. Globally, let's see if there's any check-ins I need to read. Here's a long one. Let's see. Danny Uli. 
So intrigued, thanks to Sam K. Now what am I experiencing? N-E-I-P-A? Honestly, not even close. More like a totally filtered pale wheat ale with a ton of flavor. Not juicy. Definitely candy. So well done. But Indiana isn't that far. LOL. I don't know what that means. Must not be from around here. But he did give it a three, which I was expecting more. Kevin Bassey, had this many times, really good tonight, can't go wrong with this one, arguably one of their best, and he gave it a 4.75, really good score. Let's see if I can find one more, then we'll get to my final thoughts. And clearly this will be a shorter episode if you haven't looked at the timestamps, uh, at least I hope, because there are only four movies in this franchise so far. Scrolling, scrolling, not seeing anything... Somebody give me something good to read. Literally the next thing. Here we go. DKB Broad. Like, I like it. Nice Nipa. Flavor, but not heavy at all. I had this at the New Roots in Carmel, but this that location did not show up below. And he also gave it a 475. Very good score. Now let's move on to me. All right, for my check-in, I said, This one is a delight. The sweet candy flavor goes down so smooth with only a slight bitter aftertaste, and I gave it a 4 out of 5. Great job, Guardian Brewing. And now I must kill you. Your death will be a tale to frighten children, to make lovers cling closer in their rapture. Come with me and be immortal. Alright, now we gotta talk about Candyman. Candyman is an American supernatural horror slasher film series originating from the 1985 short story The Forbidden of the collection Books of Blood by Clive Barker, also creator of the Hellraiser franchise, about the legend of the Candyman, the ghost of an artist and son of a slave who was murdered in the 19th century. Its film adaptation Candyman, directed by Bernard Rose, in 1992 starred Tony Todd as the title character. Although the film initially underperformed at the American box office, it became a cult classic. A novelization and a comic adaptation of the film were released the same year. Two sequels, Candyman Farewell to the Flesh 1995 and Candyman Day of the Dead 1999 were released, and a direct sequel to the original Candyman directed by Nia DaCosta and produced by Jordan Peele was released in 2021. Now, I believe the Candyman legend is partially based on real events in New York City. In old New York apartments, you can take down the mirror medicine cabinet in your bathroom, and there will just be a giant opening to your neighbor's apartment, and there were a string of murderers or murders in the city, and it was believed that is how the murderer was getting access to the apartments. Like, he would enter the neighbor's apartment under the guise of, like, a fumigator or cable man or something go in through the mirror unlock the neighbor's window or something and then sneak in later and kill that person i mean that's i don't know how true that is but that's what i heard also the candyman rules in the movies are not extremely clear i know you say candyman five times in a mirror and generally he'll show up and kill you it happens many times but typically when the main character summons candyman He'll just haunt them and kill people around them and kind of taunt them until either they fight at the end of the movie or he uh, gets you to 
sacrifice them yourself to him. So I'm not sure why the main characters in the movies are important. Some of them are related to Candyman, so that makes sense. But some of them are just people that summon him and uh, don't exactly get what's coming to them until way late in the film. All right, let's try to explain the timeline a bit. It's only four movies, so it shouldn't take too long. The original Candyman follows a graduate student, Helen Lyle, who is a blonde lady studying urban legends. She takes strong interest in learning about the mysterious hook-handed murderer coined the Candyman in the Cabrini Green urban project dwelling, which many of the residents feared he lived behind the mirrors and the walls of the apartment, randomly killing them, gutting them with his hook after chanting his name five times in a mirror. Helen becomes intrigued by the mystical story that she jokingly summons him in denial and disbelief, later to learn who he really is and starts questioning her reality, ending with a big pile of trash being set on fire, like giant, like the size of a house, and she has to crawl through this trash to save an infant that's crying inside, infant by the name of Anthony. She saves the baby, Candyman gets trapped inside, and she also ends up succumbing to her burns, I believe, that she sustains while saving the baby. In Candyman Farewell to the Flesh from 1995, the film follows the story of a school teacher, Annie Tarrant, 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 something like that, who comes to learn about her family's past after losing her father due to his obsession with Candyman. She denies his existence after hearing her students talk about him and learning that one of the students was obsessed, obsessed with him. She speaks his name to prove to the class he does not exist, but later finds out who the Candyman really is. He's like her great-grandpa or something, even though she is another white lady with blonde hair, and he is Tony Todd. But I think she learns that if you destroy the mirror of her mother, who was the love, or grandmother, or great-grandmother, who was the lover of Tony Todd, this will destroy Candyman as well. She destroys the mirror, he also gets destroyed. But then he comes back in Candyman 3, Day of the Dead. It continues with... Annie's daughter, Caroline, who is now another adult blonde lady. She denies Candyman's existence by protecting her family bloodline as she, her business partner, Miguel, uses the story of the of her great-great-grandfather, Daniel Robotai, a.k.a. Candyman, in his art exhibit for profit. Caroline soon learns why her mother tried to destroy the myth of Candyman, but is caught between his web of deceptive murders, framing her in order for her to submit to become immortal as family with him in death. So Candyman wants her to join him, but she ultimately declines and destroys him. This leads us to the most recent Candyman from 2021. It stars Yahya Abdul-Martin with Tony Todd returning as Candyman briefly. It is a direct sequel to the first film, ignoring the other two movies, taking place 20 year, 27 years later in Caprini Green, Chicago, where the original movie took place. A young, overconfident visual artist named Anthony struggles to find inspiration to get him further exposure. As we remember in the first movie, the baby that is saved at the end is named Anthony. He learns that about an old urban legend that took place in the project housing development at Caprini Green of a grad student named Helen 
who became mentally insane during her research and sacrificed herself to save a baby, which sparks his interest. Anthony becomes obsessed with these urban legend findings as he uses it for his art- artwork presentation and to influence the summoning of the spirit of the Candyman, but later realizes the consequences of his actions as he learns the real truth behind the legend by his hallucinations, which in turn become a deadly reality. Now let's talk about my rankings real quick. This should be fast. Number one on my list is the most recent Candyman, just because it's so well done, and it I like how it ties back to the first one, but updates the story in a modern way that is very appropriate for our times. Or It proposes that the Candyman can be anyone. Anyone who is murdered in a gruesome way and will come back as the Candyman for revenge. It happens to another man in the film who is goes by the name of Candyman, who is not the Tony Todd character. Just a guy who was giving candy to children, and then the police came and shot him down just because he was a black man on the street. And then this again happens to our main character. The police gun him down for no reason. And then at the end of the film, he becomes the Candyman, taking over for Tony, Tony Todd. It's really cool. I like how they updated the story and bring back a lot of the characters from the first movie. Speaking of the first movie, that's number two on my list. It's very it's a very interesting movie. Not exactly what I was expecting. It's, I thought it was going to just be a slasher film, but it's like very serious kind of detective story as this woman tries to understand the Candyman legend. And the music's great and it's just beautifully done. So, And it's really cool if you watch those two back-to-back because the opening title sequence for the first movie is like an overhead shot swooping across uh chicago i believe so it's like you're in a helicopter looking down at the chicago streets and then in the 2021 version it's shot the opposite way so it's like from the streets looking up at the sky so you're just like passing large buildings and looking up at the tops of them with a very similar song playing very cool next on my list is farewell to the flesh which is Candyman 2 it's okay, but it's basically the same movie again. The first movie, again, a lot of the same plot points. The similar blonde character who is investigating the Candyman legend. Instead of being a student, now she's a teacher at a school. Uh, it's not... I mean, if you like the first one, you probably enjoy the second one, but it doesn't advance the story in any meaningful way. And there's a nice little ending to the story that wraps it up. But then we get into Candyman Day of the Dead, Candyman 3. And that's just, it doesn't explain why Candyman's back. It, it's, a, it's not, I don't really like that one at all. I would recommend staying away from that one. The only thing good about it is it's like in New Orleans and there's some like interesting Mardi Gras imagery. But other than that, I don't really care for that one. A few stats. The kill counts for Candyman go like this. In number one, he kills five people. Number two, he kills eight people. Number three, he kills 14 people. And number f- four, I guess you we could call it, well, he kills 14 people. Totaling 41 murders, averaging about 10 per film, 10.2 to be exact. Thank you.
here we have the theme song for the original Candyman film. The film score was composed by Philip Glass. According to Glass, it became a classic, so I still make money from this score, get checks every year. He's widely regarded as one of the most influential composers of the 20th century. Glass's work has been associated with minimalism, being built up from the repetitive phrases and shifting layers. Glass describes himself as a composer of music with repetitive structures, which he has helped evolve stylistically. I really love the score for the original Candyman. It's beautiful and kind of sinister. Just listen to it. it. I like the like chanting and also like this organ that's kind of going on. Might as well have Helen's theme. Helen's theme is important for this movie and the 2021 version. Just a simple piano chord. I believe this is also the music box. Music box is really important in this, so... Taglines for this film are We dare you to say his name five times Makes sense And you don't have to believe Just beware This song plays at the end of the movie As she sacrifices herself to save the baby And the whole Cabrini Green development area Those uh, or like uh, parading I guess is for lack of a better term to her funeral it's very beautiful here we have music from Candyman Farewell to the Flesh. You can hear it's similar. This is the music box. Continuing from Helen's theme. Philip Glass also composed the music for this one. Other credits include The Thin Blue Line, A Brief History of Time, and The Truman Show. Here's another song from this movie. This is the end credits. Kind of more of that organ and that chanting. So you're still getting the same vibes from the first movie. Taglines for this one are Evil comes when you call his name And 
dare you say his name five times again. This one's not too bad. It's a nice ending credits song, I believe. In my opinion. Let's see what we got with Candyman 3, though. Different, I will say. It's composed... Uh, well, Adam Gorgani is a prolific composer of film and TV scores and has composed music for over 20 films, including this one, Waiting, The Dead Girl, Breakable You, Starting Out in the Evening, and Aliens in America. A very different vibe for this one. Relying much more on like the drum beat rather than the organs and the chanting and the music box sounds. Suggesting this will be a much different movie. The tagline for this one is Blood is sharper than the blade. Not sure what that means. I mean, he does have a sharp hook that. There's some, like, African chants here, but it's not the same kind of chanting we were hearing before. It's probably more fitting, actually, for this movie. The whole New Orleans vibe. All right, let's move on to our final movie. This one's called The Sweet. I believe it's the title track. I can picture those tall buildings. This soundtrack was composed by Chicago musician Robert Aki Aubrey Lowe. He used solo compositions based around voice and extended module synthesizer techniques. He also used field recordings of Cabriti Green to capture the essence and spirit of the neighborhood and layered it as a textual element on top of the main instruments. Very cool. I think the music for this movie is fantastic and I like that they used a Chicago musician and uh, someone who understood Chicago since it plays a pretty big part in the movie I also have this song, which may sound familiar. Philip Glass score, Helen's theme slash music box, 
was also reimagined by Lowe as a new interpretation on the soundtrack as well as in one scene and in the end credits of the film. And that's what this is. If you didn't recognize it. Taglines for this one include Say It, Simple, and Dare to Say His Name. I like that they bring the music back and then add like new elements to it. It's really cool. that's all I got for this episode. I hope you enjoyed my short little Candyman expedition. If you haven't seen any of these movies, I definitely want recommend watching the first one and the last one. You can skip the other two, unless you really want to be a completionist. You can also check us out on at DrinkInGeekOut on all of the social medias. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and a little bit on Twitter. And we have a Facebook. We don't use Facebook, though. Check out our website at drinkingeekout.com. Check out our Threadless and Tee Public stores and buy some merch. We got some cool, a lot of cool designs on there that I'm really proud of. We have a Patreon if you feel like donating us some money. But I declare this meeting of Spookin' with Saf closed. Until next time, drink up and pleasant dreams, everyone.